Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny with the audio porn. And I'm Abby with the muted sex tape. Welcome to Blame It on the Vag. Your weekly vagina talk with your besties. This week, we're talking a brief history of birth control. We thought Abby stuck some weird shit up her vag. Wait till you hear about some of this stuff. First, though, how's your vag this week, Abby? My vag is good. It can't complain. It literally can't complain. No. can't talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but it's been very really good. I've been dealing with some other, like, um, health-related issues just from stress and stuff. So, but at least my vag this time is, is good. <laughs> That's always nice. I yeah, feel like you're yeah. on a good roll with that. I, I have been. I have been on a good good roll. So let's keep it up. But stress related health issues suck. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully those will, that'll get under control and yeah, you know, after a lot of this shit dies down. <laughs> How is your vag, Jenny? My badge is good. It's still a little itchy, though. No. Did yeah. you put anything on it? Did you try anything? No, I'm going to have to. Maybe I'll have to order some of Abby's emu oil. Yeah. Is oh, it you itchy? really should have your own brand. I should. I need to just raise emus and do it. No, don't you have to kill emus, though, for that? I don't. Probably I don't want to that. think about that. I just tell myself that that's not how that how that works when you get your emu oil. <laughs> Abby's emu oil is going to quickly turn into Abby's emu sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, it will, and I will not use emu oil anymore. You'll you'll have to come up with a synthetic emu oil. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be like on uh, Do You Watch Shit's Creek? Yeah. So when they do the apothecary and then they have like the rival one with like the shitty, the shitty creams and stuff <laughs> with like the the label just slapped on something that they just bought. That's what it'll be like. It's really emu oil, I promise. I'm going to have the house to myself this week, and I ordered a new toy, so I'm oh. super excited. Is it a wand? Did you get the it wand? It isn't. I didn't get the wand. I, I found something else first before the wand, and then I didn't want to spend the money on both of them, and I'm still trying to find the perfect wand. There are so many choices out there, yeah. and after having Cindy on with her big massagers, I'm sort of hesitant. But then Phoenix loves hers, so. Yeah, I, yeah. But I'm waiting, and I don't think the toy's going to come in time. Oh, and I did try her thing where I turned my vibrator on in my room. I shut the door, and I walked around the house, and I mm -hmm. couldn't hear it anywhere in the house. Oh, yay, good. So, you so I feel about better that. about that. Yeah. Yes. So I feel, I feel better about masturbating at night when people are in the house. <laughs> Yes, that just means more masturbation for you. More Which... than six times a week. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? You told your doctor. Yes, six times a week at least. Mm -hmm. There were a few days last week that it happened twice in one day. But... Oh, I've done that. <laughs> 
much more often when I lived by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would be kind of hard in your living situation right now. You know what's funny is the other day I was like, God, I really just want to masturbate. But I just didn't have the alone time. And then I could have probably today, but we're probably like going to mess around tonight. And so I don't want to like mess anything up, you know, because sometimes I feel like if I masturbate and then I have sex like later on, the sex isn't as good because I kind of you know, scratch that itch or whatever. Right. Beforehand. And so then, so then now I don't want to do it because we're probably going to later on. So now I'm just like waiting, like making myself wait, which isn't a bad thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Making myself wait. No, it's not a bad thing at all. But still, I laughed at myself when I was like, "Hmm, I wish I could masturbate. Just like in the middle of the week. Like randomly. Yeah. Sitting at your desk at work. Yeah. That probably wouldn't go over very well. <laughs> go in this one of the stalls in the ladies' room. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's ever done it at work. Like that would be a good question to ask. Has anybody actually ever masturbated at work? Have you listeners? Let us yeah. know. Yeah. I never have. I've never been brave enough to do it. Okay. So this started, this episode, the research started out as just being one episode and it's sort of grown exponentially. We're going to start with a brief history of how we got to birth control pills. And that will expand into a few more separate episodes that we'll be doing down the line, strictly focusing on what the invention of the birth control pill meant for women. And also we'll touch uh, on male contraception as well. And we will need to have a Margaret Sanger conversation too, because we can't talk about her without addressing the controversy surrounding her, the racism of the eugenics and the rights use of her now to demonize Planned Parenthood. So that'll be a whole different conversation down the road. I just didn't want to I didn't want anyone to think that we were just going to gloss right over it or whitewash the history. We'll come back to that. But this episode today is just to lay the foundations and once again show the crazy shit that we would do just to try to have control of our own bodies and control of our own reproduction cycles. So we're going to start in in, uh, ancient Egypt. Everything always starts with ancient Egypt. I feel like we need that introduction from the mummy with Brendan Fraser, that music. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and we sweep down in through the pyramids. Yes, yeah. So to to a woman who's mixing a concoction of honey, sodium carbonate, and crocodile dung into a thick paste and inserting that into her vag before she has sex. Oh, that must have smelled amazing. I wonder if the 
honey, like, temper that at all. Maybe. Have you tried crocodile dung? That's one of the few things you haven't tried. No, I should put that on my list to try. Maybe it might work. Maybe it would work better for itching than for birth control. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really work for birth control. <laughs> but it actually... Thanks to its effects on the pH levels in the vagina, it ended up increasing your chance of getting pregnant. (laughs) That's hilarious. So you go to use shit and it's still shit because it just makes everything worse in so many ways. So then the ancient Egyptian women switched from that to using a combination of cotton you imagine packing your vagina with cotton? Well, we kind of do that with tampons. Yeah, but for sex. Oh, yeah, kind of for sex. Yeah. <laughs> Unintentionally. <laughs> True. So they use a combination mm. of cotton, dates, honey, and acacia. Is that like a fruit or something? It's a gum. So oh. it's like, I think it's the hardened sap of a... Ow! So you're putting all this, like, shit sticky shit. shit up there? How do they even wash that out? As a suppository. Oh. To keep from getting pregnant. They actually hit on something because fermented acacia has a spermicidal effect. So they hmm. kind of left out with that. But, I don't know, maybe maybe the dates and the honey made it sweeter, too. They left out the, the shit, though, so that's good. Right. They, you know, you have to adapt. Yeah. I wonder if they packed the pork loin up there with it to create a meal. Maybe they started. They're the ones that started that Wait, cooking the pork loin in their vaginas. Ancient Egyptians. I don't know. I mean, they had pork loins. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> they like now, I'm Did pretty sure. Pigs? Did they have pigs is... in Egypt? I don't know. Well, it was probably more like a. Wait, what kind of animals are in Egypt? Camel. A something loin. A camel loin, then. A camel loin! <laughs> That's probably what they used. <laughs> Jackal loin. Yeah. So the Bible and the Quran both reference the pull-out method. Oh. Thou okay. shalt pull outest. <laughs> <laughs> Only it's the Bible, so it would be like the, the woman is like evil, right? So mm-hmm. thou shalt remove thy holy scepter from the devil's lair. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Accurate. Abby, how well does the pull-out method work? If you want to have a little child, then it works well. <laughs> I, I thought of you when I read that. I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a walking example of how it does not work. (laughs) Apparently in biblical times, they didn't know about pre-cum either. No. Ancient China 
the concubines used a drink made of lead and mercury. Holy shit. To prevent pregnancy. Were they killing themselves in the process? It prevented pregnancy, but it also, they were giving themselves sterility, brain damage, kidney failure, and death. Yeah. And we thought the side effects of the pill were bad. Right. Oh, wait, they still are. (laughs) (laughs) Blood clots, death. You can still get, you can still die. Greek gynecologist Serenus. What was his name? Spelled S-O-R-A-N-U-S. Okay. But I'm just going to call him Anus for short. (laughs) And you're going to find out why in a minute. He advised women to abstain during their most fertile time. Their period. Oh, Jesus. And if that didn't work, though, he had a foolproof plan. Okay. His fail-safe plan was he recommended you hold your breath during sex. And then you sneeze after to prevent the sperm from entering the womb. <laughs> oh, my God. Like you eject the sperm when you sneeze. All of the demon juice drains out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Right. That's awesome. How long is sex going to last if you're holding your breath? How long do you have to hold your breath? During the whole thing? That's what it said. Hold your breath during sex. Oh, my God. So you, that's back then. Did you try to find someone who didn't, couldn't go more than a minute? Yeah, they probably couldn't anyway because they're so, like, sexually repressed anyway, I'm sure. So once they went, it was like, you know, bam, bam, done. Or whatever. (laughs) Bam, bam, done. (laughs) I think it was wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, or that. Bam, bam, done. (laughs) Sounds so much better. I like mine better. So the premature ejaculators were like the most popular. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Otherwise, you were fucking passing out every time you had sex. Although maybe that's a good thing. I'm sure they weren't very good at it back then. The men. I love how he totally dog sex from like <laughs> two th- pre two thousands. Like, right. It was not enjoyable for the woman. Well, in our defense, though, like how enjoyable could it be if you were having to go to your doctor for your orgasms? Right. Although my doc is super hot. <laughs> right. So that totally would been like, okay, for you. I would go to him for orgasm. I'm going to my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my doctor's appointment today. Jenny, this is the fourth time you've been in this week. <laughs> Only because your nurse won't let me in six times. <laughs> Sorry, Doc, the hysteria is just so bad. (laughs) I need help. 10th century Persia, women were told to jump backwards seven or nine times after sex to dislodge any sperm. (laughs) 
that's that's totally legit. Seven and nine were magical numbers, so that's the seven and nine. I just love the jumping backwards as opposed to jumping forward. Yeah, what about jumping backwards makes it? Maybe you don't get it on yourself when you're jumping backwards. Are you squatting more when you jump backwards so it comes out better? I just think that's our new insult. Instead of your dad should have pulled out, it was your mom should have jumped backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Laughing, thinking about that as an insult. They probably had that back then. Your mom should have jumped backwards seven times. (laughs) Mine jump, you know, yours should have jumped backwards. Maybe nine times would have done it. (laughs) Your mom only jumped backwards seven times, so you were born. She should have done nine (laughs) times. In Middle Ages Europe, women were advised to tie the testicles of a weasel to their thighs or around their neck during sex. Hmm. Awkward. Weird. Testicles? I can't keep it up, Mildred, because your weasel balls keep slapping (laughs) my balls. It's so unsettling. (laughs) How big are those weasel balls that you can tie them all the way around your thighs? (laughs) Like a weasel ball garter. (laughs) On your wedding night. You. Like, wait, honey, let me get the weasel balls. <laughs> we don't want kids just yet. I'll get an extra pair for my neck. What the fuck are you wearing? That's just my weasel ball necklace. <laughs> Maybe you needed to stick them inside. Maybe yeah. that was the early Benoit balls. Yeah. Weasel. You need like 15 of them. Get one stuck. Only be able to retrieve 14. Yeah. There's a 15,000 year old cave painting in France that depicts the first illustration of a man wearing a condom. Oh. Right. I wonder what it was made out of. It's like hide. Like Buffalo hide. T Rex. T- <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they were around 15,000 years ago. When when the earth started. In legends, condoms date back to 3000 BC when King Minos used a goat bladder for that purpose. Mm-hmm. He was the son of Zeus and Europa for anyone who doesn't know their, their myth- mythology. Their mythology. Yes. European doctor Gabriel Fallopius introduced a linen version to stem a wave of syphilis that was sweeping across. Did he did he discover the fallopian tubes? Yes, Abby, he did. I'm so smart. You are. I don't <laughs> know how you got that from that at all. Can you imagine a linen condom though? Yeah. That's not going to work very well. Maybe it'll get 
most of it. You know what? We should break down linen condoms the way we've broken down masks to see how effective and the percentage wise. So if both people are wearing linen condoms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if What's both are wearing, then maybe. The percentage on that is yeah. like 5% maybe now or 1.1%. I can't remember what my graphs say. Just wear your fucking mask, people. <laughs> you don't have to wear a linen condom. Unless you don't wear a mask, then you need to be triple condoming it, and we're not talking the pork loin. You got to get your stupid out of the gene. <laughs> Late 18th century, Giacomo Casanova invented a primitive version of the cervical cap. You want to hear what his primitive version is? Mm. What, like, <laughs> a, like an acorn? I would prefer an acorn. This is partly squeezed lemon halves. Ouch! Right? How can that be pleasant for anybody? That's how, that's why that was so effective in pregnancy because nobody wanted nobody could keep their dick up there with yeah. a partly squeezed lemon and no woman could I mean can you imagine how much yeah. that fucking burns that would burn no fun for everyone involved mm -mm. so now we'll go over to Merca 1844 Charles Goodyear brought us the vulcanization of rubber. That led us to a mass production of rubber condoms and rubber cervical caps. The first condom ad was in the New York Times in 1861. Oh. Yeah. It was for Dr. Power's French preventatives. Mm. I love how they threw the French. French. Because it makes it sound all Mm-hmm. The tagline was, those who have used them are never without them. Okay. They said it just like that, too. Yeah, I bet they did. It would be several decades before the cervical caps and diaphragms would actually catch on. And the earliest diaphragms were rubber, and they were called womb veils. Mm. That's sexy. That is sexy. A womb veil. Hold on, honey. I gotta go put my womb veil in. Wait, we already have 12 kids, so let's go get a womb veil. We don't want any more. We have enough helping around the farm. Plus, we had that period sex, and Jimmy's over there in the corner eating lead. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want we don't want a recurrence of that. You know, no, no more of them period kids. No. Nope. With their red hair <laughs> and their paint chip eaten. In 1873, the Comstock Act was passed. It was named after American Post Inspector Anthony Comstock. Apparently, the post office really hated advertisements about birth control. He crusaded against obscenity, 
So the Comstock Act banned the spread of information about contraceptives in the United States. Not even your doctor could tell you about them. Wow. Yes. So this is where Margaret Sanger is going to come in. And we'll talk about her complicated history. We won't gloss over her racist beliefs in the future episodes. So we just want to mention that right now. But we also have to mention her in connection with any birth control conversation because she was big in defying the Comstock Act. She fought against it. She had a short-lived monthly newsletter called The Woman Rebel, and she basically coined the phrase reproductive rights in the 1914 launch of The Woman Rebel. Mm -hmm. It offered information about birth control. It challenged the country's obscenity laws, and it ended up getting her driven out of the country. (laughs) In 1916, she opened the first family planning clinic in the United States. It was shut down within a week and a half. Five years later, she would found the American Birth Control League, which would later become Planned Parenthood. Wow. Yes. The 1920s, of course, brought us Lysol Douche. We talked about that previously. That's a fun one. Yeah. And the fact that they were allowed to advertise their cleaning product to clean out your vagina, knowing that it poisoned people. Coca-Cola was also used as a douche. Mm. Which is kind of scary. I remember my grandpa pouring it on battery acid to Mm. eat the battery acid away. I've heard of that too. Yes. Yeah. Think about putting that in your vagina. Like that would sting. You could do Coca-Cola and then pop a couple Mentos up there. And then that would would really clean you out. Boom. Yeah. All of that evil devil juice would just, gone who wants to experiment with that (laughs) listeners i want to see what that looks like (laughs) oh my god nobody do that please yeah no we're just joking yeah don't do it (laughs) i bet if we googled it we could find someone who has anyways i bet somebody has Later research actually suggested that a douche of Coca-Cola could kill sperm, but it doesn't work fast enough to kill all the sperm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to have him pull out and you'd have to shoot it up there like right away. Have it ready. Shake that bottle up. (laughs) You wouldn't even need a douche bottle. I mean, yeah. if the bottle's only half full, you could probably just squeeze it all up there. Mm-hmm. Get in the butter churner position. <laughs> Have him stick the bottle, mm-hmm. not all the way in your badge. That's a whole different episode. Yes. Of strange things you stick up your vagina. 
We don't want the whole bottle going up. We just want the Coke coming out and into the vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we're joking. People don't do the butter churner and use Coca-Cola as a douche afterwards. Or as a contraceptive. Don't come to us saying that you got pregnant because we told you to use Coke as a contraceptive. (laughs) But if you do, Abby will happily raise that child. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's no hesitation. No. (laughs) Nope. No. Linda will. She wants another grandkid. She's dying for more grandkids. Yeah. So in 1937, the American Medical Association officially recognized birth control as a legit part of your doctor's practice. Not until 1937. Jeez. In 1938, the federal obscenity ban was lifted, though laws against contraception remained on the books in most states. Which isn't surprising. Not surprising. No. By 1942, though, more than 800 birth control clinics popped up in America, which was up from only 55 in 1930. Wow. And then in the 50s, uh, Margaret Sanger asked biologist Gregory Pincus to conduct research on the use of hormones for contraception. They didn't realize that there was a Mexico City scientist Carl Jurassi, who was the associate director of research at the pharmaceutical company Syntex, who had already succeeded creating a progesterone pill that could block ovulation. His progesterone pill was made from wild yams. Mm. And I know people like to knock Big Farm as being just evil, but there's so much more to it than that Mm -hmm. should they be charging as much in america no that's a whole conversation but without big farm and without a lot of these medicines and the things that they come up with right our lives would not be as good as they are right so with funding from wealthy widow and feminist Catherine mccormick Pincus had begun developing and testing a synthetic hormone and found it could suppress ovulation in animals. And then gynecologist John Rock began testing it on women. Why did I mention that Catherine McCormick was a wealthy widow? Why is that important? Well, because this is America. And remember, we couldn't even have our own bank accounts until the 70s so she wouldn't have had money and wouldn't have been wealthy if she wasn't a widow so of course that's important to mention but she was also a feminist so she used that money in the right way and now I need a drink of water in 1956 promoting birth control was still illegal in many states what the fuck wow That's the best thing about doing all this research is not only seeing the weird shit that we went through to try to control our own bodies and whether or not we were having children, but also how fucking long we have had to fight for control of our own bodies and we still don't fucking have it. Right. And how, I mean, 
yeah, how close it is. Like, as far as that shit goes, our grandparents were having to deal with that. Our parents were having to deal with that. Right. The FDA approved the hormone pills for menstrual disorders, such as irregular periods or PMS only. That's yeah. all they would approve it for. Yeah. So, so the late 50s suddenly had this huge epidemic of menstrual disorders in oh. women. <laughs> Smart. On May 6, 1960, the FDA approved Enovid. Enovid? Enovid? The oral contraceptive from G.D. Searle and Company. And almost 6.5 million American women were on the pill by 1965. It was dubbed the pill because you would discreetly ask for it by this name from your doctor. Uh, The pill. In 1965, the Supreme Court struck down state laws prohibiting contraceptive use, but only for married couples. (sighs) Yeah. Single, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies had to wait until 1972 when they finally made birth control legal. That's crazy. So in 1973, 70% of married women between the ages of 15 and 44 were using some form of contraception. 15. Ew. I feel like I had an elementary school teacher who was married at like 15 and had a ton of kids too. Not even kidding. Like 16 kids. Ooh. Internationally, 1967 time magazine reported. I'm going to quote them here. Despite the pills necessarily strict routine, uneducated women could still manage. <laughs> what? Right. Still quoting them, illiterate women who can't count can still take their pills on schedule. Oh, my God. Dumb women can actually do this? Oh, my God. I know. I read that, and I was cringing. Yeah, why did they even have to say that? And I didn't even mention the name of the fucking doctor, because, of course, they mentioned the name of the doctor who was from Denver who had taught these poor women in Pakistan how to do it. Like the man had. He taught mm-hmm. the uneducated women how to do their birth control. Thank God for him. Mm-hmm. So in 1967, at that point internationally, 5 million and rising. Today, more than 100 million women globally use the pill to prevent pregnancy. That number is only for the pill, though. It doesn't count women using other safe and effective forms of birth control from the Depo-Provera shot and the mm-hmm. Nuva ring to that contraception patch and the IUD, which is considered by many healthcare experts to be the best form of birth control available. Okay. And that is interesting. I don't know if you have friends who are vocal about it. I have friends who are completely torn on that subject. Friends who swear by it and love it and push it (laughs) for everyone. And then friends who have had 
medical complications Mm -hmm. that they blame on it yeah that studies are actually showing sorry there was a fly access to safe and effective birth control still is not a universal privilege and i think if i had had the time i would have liked to have done some research to find out under this administration how many clinics have been closed Mm -hmm. not just in the united states but globally where we were providing services like birth control pills to help keep the population down in other countries as well for women who were seeking birth control. Yeah. A 2012 report found that approximately 222 million women in developing countries want to use birth control, but aren't able to access. Mm modern contraceptives. So there's a lot of things that I feel very lucky for. And I can't say it's an America thing because it really truly still depends on the state that you live in. Yeah. How much control you have over your access to contraceptives. And it also depends on who you work for, where you're getting your prescriptions filled from. There's so much that goes into that here in the United States still to this day. We made that push forward and things got better. And now there's a political push to restrict our access once again. Conscience clauses are one of their new ways of doing it so that hospital employees, pharmacists, and employers with religious views on birth control or you being a single woman and using birth control, they can now refuse to cover their employees, to fill prescriptions if they're a pharmacist, to write prescriptions if they're a doctor. It's just ridiculous. It's crazy. But one thing that we have learned over the years about women is that we will risk our lives for birth control and restricting access doesn't mean that we won't have sex. It just means that we're going to be using potentially unsafe methods of birth control or of abortion, Mm -hmm. which literally no one uses as birth control. Right. Just had to throw that out there. A little louder for those in the back. Mm-hmm. No one uses abortion as birth control. So that is our history, our brief history for this episode of birth control, starting where everything always starts in ancient ancient Egypt. Egypt. That was great, Jenny. Your research was really good this week. I mean, it's good every week. <laughs> but. I learned a lot. You have used condoms. Have you ever been on birth control pills? Yeah. So um, when I had my disaster first period that was like hemorrhaging when I was 14 or 15, I was put on birth control after that to help regulate it. Um, And so I was on it all the way up through college for that reason. 
and then um, I can't remember why I got off of it. There may have been health complications or something with it. Um, and so then I got off of it and then I got pregnant. And then I remember I went back on it and I was on the patch and used that for a long time until I deci- we decided to have our second child. Then after her, I had my tubes tied. And so then I haven't had any, I haven't used any since then. How did the patch work? You put it on once a week on your butt. And yeah, like you didn't have to take a pill every day. So I know there's other things these days now that, that are more convenient to you than a pill that acts like a pill. But yeah, so I, I liked the patch and cause it, Cause I'm well, you know I'm so forgetful. So, did you ever? As far as like remembering, and you'd stuck. You have like four patches. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Cause it's pretty easy. I don't think so. I don't don't think so. so. I don't know though, cause I didn't look. Can't say hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) What about you? Were you ever on it? I was on birth control pills. For the same reason you were, I think that's what they did to treat heavy periods when we yeah. were teenagers. And I don't know if they do that anymore or not, if they give it out so freely. So I think I was on them until college, and then I was off them for health reasons as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of side effects. I'm sure if you identify as a female and you're listening you probably know the side effects. If you don't know much about birth control, yeah, like the pill, there's crazy side effects that are really debilitating sometimes. Even Um, on low dose, because... Yeah. You know, issues that you can have with it. There's, um, you know... I was nauseous. Weight gain, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sickness. um, Just so many acne... You know, and that's one of the reasons I refused to go on it during Accutane or I don't know if it was like during it or before they tried. I think it was before and she tried to make me go on birth control just to to try it out or something. Or maybe it was my gynecologist that was trying to make me go on it to help with my problems down there. And I was like, no, I like I got my tubes tied for a reason. So I don't have to go on hormones. I'm not taking the birth control pill because I know how it has affected me in the past and I'm not going through that again. And so. Exactly. My sister-in-law just had a really scary situation with blood clots from the pill. Yeah, that can be. Yeah. They took her off the pill. That's why it makes me laugh when men are like, are you kidding me? There's like a side effect from the birth control shot. I'm not doing that. Oh, Listen, for the male one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One side effect. We'll get into that when we talk about male contraceptive. But, and for some reason, I mean, I've gotten lucky in that every man that I've been with, except for one, has been willing to wear condoms. That's good. So that's always helpful well in these days I mean condoms aren't just to prevent pregnancy you don't know where 
you just want to be clean and healthy. Like, you don't want to get an STD. So even if, even if you're like, I still used condoms, even though my tubes were tied because I did not want to get a disease. Exactly. So. Right. I mean, we don't anymore because we're in a long-term relationship and it's fine. But before, like dating and stuff, you know. It's a nice thing about being with women because I didn't have to worry about getting pregnant. That is nice. What about you, users? What birth control have you been on? Maybe the shot was designed to get them to wear condoms because they don't want to do the shot. Yeah. They're like, yeah. you know what? You know, let's go with the condom. Yeah. I'm okay with condoms suddenly. Let's do that. Let's do that. Ribbed for her pleasure. Yes. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can message us at blameitonthevag at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook. Keep those Dear Abby questions coming in. We've got a Dear Abby episode coming up. So Abby's dying to answer all of your questions. Yes. So keep them coming. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.